Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insights to help you to lead, manage, and coach in football, sports, and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA, and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league, and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of my podcast, Leader, Manager, Coach. Uh, I'm Rob Riles and I'd like to welcome you to this program. Today, what I'm going to share with you is probably one of the key reasons why this podcast is, is in existence, why I went into and eventually worked in the arena that I did and do and why I became so passionate about leading, managing and coaching. And the topic of today is a gentleman who I'm certainly not by any stretch of the imagination or by any means original in thinking and believing and feeling that this human being was a very special person. In fact, I'm one of thousands, if not millions. But I make no apologies for that. And I can also not say anything except that this guy had a phenomenal effect on me personally. And it came out of the blue. And I'll go into that in some detail. But I felt it was important to share this with you because this person was such a fun, has been such a phenomenal influence on my life. And I've had so much pleasure and so much meaning from sport, football and, and life because of this particular individual. And this guy is a gentleman called Bill Shankly, who most people in the world of football will know, especially if you're over a certain age, especially if you're a Liverpool supporter. But even if you're not a Liverpool supporter, you will undoubtedly have heard of this person and in some way or another understand and know what he was all about. So just to give you a little bit of background, and I'm very aware that this podcast is not about me, it's about you. And I know that we all have heroes and what I'd like to do is I'd like to know who your heroes are and who the people are that have influenced you and why they've influenced you and what it is about them that has created in you or facilitated in you what they mean to you. And just in the process of beginning that off, I'm going to talk about Bill Shankly. I think I was about nine years old when I first came across this. It may have been a little bit before. The first time I can remember it was that it was 1974 and it was the 1974 FA Cup final, Liverpool versus Newcastle, when Liverpool won and sitting on the Wembley bench in a pink purple shirt with a red tie was this little man with grey hair and a sparkle in his eyes who seemed to me to be orchestrating the whole thing that was happening on the pitch and he was gesticulating and he was communicating non-verbally and whether it's true or not or whether it was apparent that it was 
a cause and effect relationship, I don't know. But what I do know is that I saw something in this man that inspired me to investigate him further. And over the next few years, as he did with many people, this guy, for me personally, became something of a hero. And uh, to those who don't know, Bill Shankly was born in a little village in Ayrshire called Glen Buck. Now, Glen Buck, as it was, no longer exists. I'm one of those geeky people who have made a pilgrimage to Glen Buck when I, I read about it and found out all about this special little place in, in Scotland, a place that I've got a great deal of time for and I love dearly. Spent lots and lots of time up there and uh, I think it's an amazing place. I had to go and find out where it was. So um, I went alone and um, went to, to find this place called Glen Buck and it's still signposted off the main road going towards air. But essentially, it's an area now that has no no houses left. And the little coal mining village or settlement of, of Glen Buck no longer exists. But what does exist is a shrine. And there's a shrine there that's specifically dedicated to, to Bill. And a very moving one it is too, um, draped in, in football scarves and memorabilia with some fantastic wording on it which goes on to aptly describe what Bill has meant to many, many people. Bill Shankly was born in 1913 in this small Scottish village called Glen Buck. And I'm not here to do a biography of Bill, but um, it was a coal mining village. And um, essentially, it was a hard upbringing. And sport, particularly football, was one of the ways out of a destiny of working in the coal mine. And um, I think this area, this particular village has unofficially the amazing statistics behind it of producing more players who've gone on to have a career in professional football than any other community of such a small stature anywhere in the world, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure those are official statistics, but I'm sure you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. So Bill Shankly was born in this little mining village of Glen Buck and um, had this tough little upbringing and was obviously a good little footballer. And um, shortly after he left school, uh, went on to, to leave the village and um, went on to play, have a career in professional football. Became an international footballer, played for Carlisle United, played for Preston North End and went on to play for Scotland. And um, as far as I'm aware, Bill was a, a tough tackling halfback now in the good old days we were all brought up with in the 1960s and 70s you know you had a goalkeeper you had two fullbacks you had three halfbacks a right half a left half and a center half and you had five players in the forward line center forward two inside forwards and an outside right and an outside left and bill was a, a tough tackling halfback and had a reputation for tenacity and a reputation for being tough tackling, but fair. So Bill went on to have this career in football that was, um, like like many players, was um, interrupted by the war when the league system no longer operated. I believe that Bill actually played a couple of games for Arsenal or in some representative games, you know, while the war was um, didn't allow the league system to continue. But Bill's... Fame, if you like, obviously came in his managerial career. 
I think Bill's first club uh, he managed was Carlisle, where obviously he'd played. He went on from Carlisle to manage Grimsby Town, again in the north. Um, then he went on to Workington. And Workington's one of those infamous clubs that maybe it was one of the, the clubs that went went out of business. Um, one of the first clubs to, to go out of the Football League and has never returned since. Bill was manager of, of that club, not when it went out of business, but um, in his early managerial career. And then he went on to, to manage Huddersfield Town. And uh, at Huddersfield Town, I believe that Bill was uh, assistant manager to begin with to somebody called uh, Beatty. And um, Bill then, when, when Beatty resigned in the 50s, Shanks went on to become the, um, the first team manager and had a deal of success at Leeds Road, which led him on ultimately to be chased by Liverpool and eventually he arrived at Anfield at the end of the 1950s 1959 and when Liverpool were in the second division the old second division so um, the championship as it is now and certainly in my time in my lifetime Liverpool have been a phenomenon of success certainly from the you know, from the 70s, 1970s and 1980s and European Cups and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So really in my lifetime, I've never known anything but Liverpool be successful. But Shanks went to them in, in the end of the 1950s when Liverpool were a, a second division side and were not successful um, in that respect. In Everton, we're the number one club in Liverpool. And that was when Shanks started to become or, or become known for the person that really people know him for. And he arrived at Liverpool and he himself described the training ground as a shambles, a place that was, paint was peeling off, you know, the, the, the buildings were tumbled down, the pitches weren't up to scratch. And Shanks walks into this place and there's legends, aren't there? Because stories grow, we all know that stories grow as time goes on and, and, and legends are handed down. And it's said that Shanks walked in and, Unlike today, when managers go in, new managers go into clubs, they take often a plethora of backroom staff with them. So the original backroom staff who were with the previous manager leave. Um, there's undertones of distrust, etc., etc. And you know sometimes the manager, the assistant manager, the first team coach, the therapists, the medical staff, the sports scientists are often put out on guard and leave, and eventually leave, and, and the new manager brings in a complete set of new staff. In Bill's case, and in those days, Bill comes in and you know, and he looks around, and he's got um, you know Bob Paisley and Joe Fagan and, and Reuben Bennett, who were essentially his coaches, his backroom staff. And, and Bill, it's alleged, kept them all on and, and said to them, "Look, you know, you guys are important to me. You're important to this football club, and we'll get on fine as long as we trust each other and get on with each other." And the only thing I want to say to you is that if somebody comes to me and complains about somebody else and talks behind somebody's back, then the person will be sacked. Not the person you're talking about, the person who is doing the talking. That's allegedly what Shank said to his backroom staff, and that was the beginning of their relationship. And of course, it was the seed and the beginning of the great backroom, uh, the Liverpool boot room, if you like, that went on and, and oversaw the phenomenal decades of success that have gone on since then. And there's been many books written about Liverpool Football Club and Shanks 
and I've read a good few of them myself and, and, and been mesmerized by some of the stories and, and some of Shanks's quotes. And I, and I feel like I've watched YouTube video after YouTube video and there's any DVDs I could get my hands on about Shanks. Yeah, so he, he went on and, and when you read the books, it wasn't all immediate success. He introduced the simple five-a-sides and, and, and the simple sweatbox training routines of using wooden boards and walls for, for players to practice techniques. And, and they are alleged to be the, the cornerstone of Liverpool's training success. And there's some phenomenal stories about players he signed, the St. John and Emmeline Hughes and uh, Ron Yates and all the stories that go along with them about how he signed them and, and Kevin Keegan, etc., etc., who came to the club under different circumstances and all with a story to tell. The, the great memories for me, obviously, I can't remember the first time that Shanks went to Liverpool and, um, the, you know, the early 60s don't resonate with me because I wasn't born then. But um, in the early 70s, when Liverpool started to come to the fore, I certainly remember highlighted highlight moments for me were seeing the amazing, amazing, amazing cop in 1973. And I remember watching the cop, which seemingly swayed from side to side with, you know, I'm assuming 25,000 Liverpool supporters in, whether there were more than that, who knows. But it was scarves, it was singing. And there was this little wee Scottish man walking around the pitch with a Liverpool scarf around his neck, taking the applause and applauding back the Liverpool supporters who obviously were showing a love for this man that was beyond anything I'd ever seen before in terms of what a crowd thought of a football manager. And there was such an affinity between the two. I don't think anybody could could say there wasn't. Um, it was obviously there and he had a respect for them and they had a respect for him. And it was something phenomenal. And... I don't think I'm alone in saying that it, it's something that grabbed me. And I remember after, I believe it was the 1971 FA Cup final when Liverpool lost to Arsenal. And I think they blamed some of it on the heavy shirts that they wore that were very, very hard work in the Wembley atmosphere. I'm happy to be corrected on this when Charlie George scored the winner and Liverpool lost and came back to the city. And in the aftermath of that they would had the open top bus tour and Shanks stood I believe it again it was on St George's building in Liverpool and spoke to what seemed to be hundreds of thousands of Liverpool supporters there was a sea of people as far as you could see and Shanks addressed them and he gave his chairman Mao Liverpool's red strength speech which, you know, has, has never been forgotten. And whether it's politically correct or not wasn't the issue in those days. But Shanks, again, resonated with his supporters. And I'm sure for thousands and thousands of people, and, and certainly for me, I thought, you know, this is a guy who connects with, with his supporters and has created a culture at a club that is bigger than any one person. It's not about him. It's not about the players it's not about the supporters, it's about the club. 
and the players, the supporters, the manager, they all contribute towards that. And it was a, such a phenomenal synergy. I'm sure there's many, many people who can remember that. And I also remember Shanks being interviewed and talking about his working class ethics and how he believed in hard work and how he believed in the socialist principles without being political of people joining together and working together to create success. And that resonated so much with, with me. It wasn't about individuals and how he hadn't got time for individual success and how he hadn't got time for ego and how he hadn't got time for the glory that went with, with winning football matches. It was always on to the next game and on to the next thing. The other thing I think that mesmerised millions of people and probably yourselves as well about Shanks was his ability to, to communicate with his players and how he built them up by the stories he told them and, and what he said to them. He, he, you know, you listen to Keegan and you listen to Tommy Smith and you listen to Ron Yates and Steve Highway and Ray Clements and people who played under Shanks who said that his oratory would build them up into giants where they believed so much that they were a great team that going out onto the pitch was almost a formality. And that aligns and parallels with people like Brian Clough in a way, but who did it in a different way. But Shanks was so much of a, a bastion of invincibility with his own belief system that, that, that I'm certain rubbed off on players. And that's a characteristic that um, has just mesmerised me over the years and I remember seeing Shanks berate a policeman who tried to kick a scarf that a supporter had thrown towards Shanks as he was walking around the Liverpool red ash track kick it out of the way and I remember Shanks bending down and picking up the scarf and putting it around his own neck and berating the policeman that had dared to kick somebody's football scarf away um, said it all really and after the 1974 cup final Shanks essentially retired and created this enormous shockwave that went through the football world where and I remember I don't know about you you remember seeing young people interviewed in Liverpool saying did you know, did you know that Bill Shankly's retired and people just could not believe it and thought people were telling jokes but it was actually true that Shanks had given up you know for personal reasons and very shortly afterwards it seemed to come to pass that Shanks regretted doing what he, he'd done and and uh, having had a whole, whole life dominated by professional football and, and achieved a pinnacle status in the city and created this almost invincible club, it seemed to be lost in life. And, and, and you know, there are the stories where he, he started to fall out with a club and, and, and he became a little bit of an irritant uh, in a way because he wouldn't let um, his successor, Bob, Bob Paisley, managed so well because he, 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 you know, was turning up at the training ground and the players obviously such, had such a, a reverence for him that it was difficult for them to, to see Bob as the boss. And the stories of Shanks trying to live a normal life and going on holiday to Blackpool with his, his wife, Nessie, and, and, and playing football outside the hotel with a group of lads because that was what he knew. And it seemed that, that Shanks really was never, never never able to achieve that state of mind of happiness that had come with the territory of retiring. Then in 1981, all very suddenly, it was reported that Bill had passed away with a heart attack in Broad Green Hospital. 
And again, people couldn't believe it. This great man had passed away. And his legacy obviously lived on. Um, I remember on the news seeing the TV pictures from Liverpool as they reported Shanks' death and outside hanging out from a tower block um, overlooking the city was obviously somebody's bed sheet and, and, and they clearly written on it in enormous letters in a, in a banner saying, the king is dead. And that's my, my overriding memory of that particular footage report. Um, not what the guy said, but seeing this banner hanging out of this Liverpool tenant block saying, the king is dead. And for them, the king was dead. There is no doubt about that. And how somebody could have such an effect on people's lives as a, a wee Scottish guy from a village in Ayrshire was 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 something that, that never never left me in terms of how that occurred and his ways and what Shanks was to those people. And, and obviously subsequent to that, they built the Shankly Gates and, and Bill's legacy has lived on through Bob and Joe Fagan and, and, and Roy and, and, and so on and so on. But that's the potted history of probably my favourite ever football manager and so much more than that, my, one of my favourite people who I, I never met, but inspired me and continues to inspire me. And I'm still reading about him now. And one of them, the brilliant, brilliant book I'm reading is, is a book called Red or Dead, which is all about Bill and written in a very, a very unique style by a guy called, a great writer called David Peace. And yes, Bill, Bill continues to inspire me. So who inspires you? Who are your heroes or who is your hero and who do you look up to and who do you admire and what is about them? What characteristics about them do you admire and do you try and get into your life and think, you know, if I can just do a little bit of good towards achieving what they've achieved in their life, then maybe maybe that will help. Um, but yeah, there's Bill and he's the guy who who is probably the grandfather for me of, um, of great managers. So this is Leader Manager Coach. I'm Rob Riles. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you later.